election is upon us, as well as the holidays, they're here too. Actually, the holidays have been on us for quite a while now. People start to think about Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, all of that, really around June and July. Do you have anxiety from election and holiday uh, stress? I know I do. So what is the cure for our anxieties? Well, the world says pleasure. You've got to have pleasure. What's wrong with you? You're not having enough pleasure. Here you go. Do a little bit of this. Do a little bit of that. Here's drugs. Here's some candy, if you know what I mean. They say have pleasure. Well, what does the Bible say about anxiety? The Bible doesn't say go have pleasure. The Bible says pray. It sure does. Philippians chapter 4. Be anxious or have, uh, if you have anxiety, don't have anxiety for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Thanksgiving, making requests known to God, and the peace of God which passes surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. So yeah, we highly recommend that around here. You need to pray during this time. You got an anxiety problem, you've got a prayer problem. Prayer is the cure and the ultimate antidote for the peace that you seek. No, you cannot pray your problems away. You know, I, I get tired of that, people, you know, that have been in church for years wondering, God, when are you going to take my problems away? You know, if you're a newer disciple, we, we have patience with you. I, th- I think everybody, when they first run to God, they think their problems are going to vanish. Well, if you get rid of the sin in your life, yeah, a lot of problems will vanish. But we are in this world, but not of this world. But the, uh, the downtrodden effects of sin that surround us in this world are all around us. Sickness, death, heartache, pain, all of that. That's why Jesus came to relieve us of those things and not so much take away those things, but rather give us hope beyond those things after this world. That is the peace, the love, the joy, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And it's our reward that he's going to give us in heaven. And it comes quick, believe me. It comes quick. It really does. So yeah, you need to pray for anxiety. Stay away from the pleasure. Unless it's a cheesecake or some chocolate chip cookies. That'll really help you out. I'm, you, you think I'm making that up? I used to be a waiter. Before the ministry, before podcasting, before all of this, I was a waiter. I, I, ser- I served tables. And I worked at a restaurant that may or may not have served cheesecakes and may or may not have the name Factory uh, in it. And you wore, back then, all white white shirt, white pants, white belt, white apron, white socks, white shoes, all white. I never, I never understood that. You know, when you're a server, you get food dumped all over you all the time. I I never understood why the all white, it seemed like every night within the first 10 minutes, I would dump like a, a, a chicken Parmesan down my apron. You know, you got the spaghetti sauce all down you or, uh, or like, uh, they used to have <laughs> they used to have this uh, like mushroom gravy in the shepherd's pie. I don't know why, but that always seemed to got to get on me. I I don't understand that. But anyway, uh, one night there was a server uh, right next to me serving her section, and she started flipping out. She had an anxiety attack, and they said the manager got her, set her down in a chair back in the kitchen. Kitchen, we're all fanning her. I'm over there in the corner, kind of praying for her, even though it wasn't really welcome there in that setting in that moment, but it seemed to work. 
And then another manager came up and gave her a slice of cheesecake and said, hey, eat this. And she ate it, and the anxiety vanished, and she went back out there and uh, finished her work. I'm not kidding. True story. Cheesecake will do it. It really will. So you got prayer. You got cheesecake. No pleasure. But you know what I say one of the cures is for anxiety this time of the year? Podcasting. So yeah, prayers, cheesecake, and podcasting. That's right. You're here to listen. I'm here to talk. We're here for you. Life's not so bad. We're going to get through this. You're listening to Spirit Signal with Justin Gleason, a podcast that is proudly made in the United States of America. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many other podcast platforms. Please consider subscribing, giving a great review and rating. Listen to our past episodes. Come back for future episodes. And be sure to tell that special person that you really care about, about Spirit Signal. Guys, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you want to get a girl's attention, don't talk to her about your favorite YouTube channel. Don't talk to her about your favorite playlist on your on your music app. You need to talk about podcasting. You're going to get her attention. Because girls out there nowadays, they want to be smart. They want to be affluent. They want to make it because they're looking at the... Uh, the lack of talent in the male department, and they realize that, you know what, I better have some security and some independence, and I've got to take care of myself. So, guys, I hope I'm inspiring you to do something better with your life. Quit being a couch potato. Stop smoking pot. Get off the porn. Move out of your parents' basement and do something with yourself. I'm serious. You need to get rid of the porn. You want to know why you have a hard time uh, connecting with a real girl? You're too, connect, too connected to fantasy, and you're too connected to plastic. That's why you feel hollow. That's why you feel ashamed. That's why you can't connect with God. That's why you can't connect with a real woman. Repent, be healed, and get after it. That's right. I'm giving you permission right now. Anytime that temptation comes, anytime that lust comes, turn off the porn, turn on the podcast. It may just be the very device that saves your soul. That's all I'm going to say about that. Okay? Uh, in this podcast, scroll down and reference your episode notes for my contact and my social media information. Podcasting is the future. And with the help of your loyal listenership, I shall have a blessed future in it. So, uh... Today is a uh, today is a is a, is a nice day. Today is November fifth. It's the day after my birthday, and for years and pretty much my whole life, I don't have a birthday. I kind of have a birth 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 week, a birth month. It it seems like uh, I I just enjoy celebrating longer than just one day. But uh, because because life is precious, and I've believed for years that life is not so bad. Yesterday, November 4th, 2020, I turned 38. I turned 38. And I've always enjoyed my birthday, but ever since I turned about 35 the last three years, I've been getting very melancholy on my birthday. You know, birthdays, it's become a time for me to really look inward and to really examine the condition of my soul and spirit and, yes, my body, I need, I need to go get a physical. I, I need to start really thinking about my health. We we have kind of not so much neglected that, but I've realized you, you can't do the same things you did, you know, as a teenager in 20s and expect to still be healthy 
So we're going to make some adjustments in that. I've promised myself that. And uh, we're tweaking our prayer time a little bit, actually going to readjust um, some ways that we uh, study and try to acquire, acquire specialized knowledge of Scripture and the things of God. And I've re- reconfigured my filing system, reconfigured note-taking, reconfigured really pretty much my whole study library, and just trying to adjust uh, the way I function to get things done. So we've been doing that for on our birthdays, and that's really a good thing to do. But I love this time of year. I always have. Here at our local church, we put on a major conference, and that's always a stressful time preparing for that all of October. And when it's finally over, you're like, oh, it's called Passing the Mantle. It, it's a conference that I've always loved. You know, you walk in Friday night, the place is packed, uh, around seven, 800 people, and Evangelist Lee Stone King usually preaches, a lot of other great preachers, Art Wilson, Josh Herring, uh, other great guys uh, have been preaching for us through the years at this conference. But COVID-19 took a lot of the wonderful things of passing the mantle away from us. But we we made the best of it and had a really good time. So uh, always, if, if they're every year after passing the mantle, I'm always just so relaxed and I feel great because then right, right around the corner is my birthday and we love our birthday. And then you have Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. So this is a very... A special time for me personally. But uh, I know for some of you, this time of year is something that you dread. A lot of people dread the holidays, even saved people. I know pastors that dread the holidays. I know evangelists that dread the holidays because you're, you know, you're supposed to be happy this time of year. Everything is supposed to be perfect, nice, and wonderful. Well, some people have a hard time finding happiness. And I've been saying it for the last few weeks. Happiness is for kids. Responsibility is for adults. I'm not sure if that's true or not. I'm saying it. I'm still debating it. But, you know, it's it's starting to really make sense for me. And especially after this birthday, you know, I don't wait. You know, if you wake up every day and you and your ultimate goal is, what can I find to make me happy today? Uh, <laughs> friend, you are doing it all wrong. Okay, I took a sip of coffee, and now I'm happy. I guess coffee makes me happy. Uh, I write in my journal. I enjoy the feeling of the paper and the pen and writing my thoughts and venting in a book, in, in a book that has never judged me, but it just listens. You know, okay, that makes me happy. I have a beautiful wife and kids who made my birthday so special. You know, that makes me happy. It does, but I don't go looking for happiness. I just take take pleasure in happiness in just the simple things of life and in having, you you know, you just find happiness in simple things. And I don't think happiness is something you got to make or really search for. If you're right with the Lord, you have good relationships with your family. That's really how you find happiness. But the holidays I've found for some people, you can have a great relationship with God and be saved and still be so unhappy. And I've, I've narrowed it down really to two things as far as why people are unhappy during the holidays. Number one, people are unhappy because they feel alone. Holidays are a good revelation at some people just how alone you really are. You know, this start, this I really felt this at the age of 23, 24, and 25. I did because I, I'd graduated from Bible college. I was at home. I was youth pastoring, had a great ministry, a great youth group, a great church. 
invitations to guest speak at other churches. Ministry was happening, but I was alone. Yes, I was living in mom and dad's basement. I had my mom and dad. I had my siblings. You know, I, I had friends, but I was alone. because I was just a single man, wasn't married, and you feel alone. And a lot of times, if you're unmarried or your marriage is on the rocks, the holiday season can be very difficult for some people. And uh, if you're single, the holidays are romantic. It's a great time to tell that special girl how you really feel, guys. And why not make this holiday season extra special for that for that really special girl that you like and uh, do something nice for her for Thanksgiving. Maybe take her on a date or wait until Christmas or New Year's. Christmas is romantic. Christmas is more romantic than Valentine's Day. It is. That I can tell you, believe me. So you feel stressed, you feel anxiety, you hate the holidays because you're alone. Either that or you have a hard time finding time for yourself to be alone. The holidays sometimes reveals uh, family dysfunction. If you got family dysfunction, it will come out in the holidays. Oh, yeah, it sure will. And you're dreading being with your relatives. You're dreading being with your family because of how toxic the environment is. You know, I, you think about this. You're, you're saved, you're apostolic, and you have to get have to get together uh, with the family. And they're as liberal and as agnostic and hatred for God, hatred for America as can be. And that's all they want to talk about. And on, on top of that, they're drinking and drinking and drinking and, pro- and probably did drugs secretly the night before. And you, you know, and you got to sit down at the table <laughs> with that. You got to sit around in the living room with that. You know, I, I, I can imagine that. You know, not only that, maybe a family member just got divorced and, and there's the awkwardness of that. You know, if, if family dysfunction can ruin the holidays for so many people, how are you going to get through it? Prayer and podcasts. That's how you're going to get through it. Prayer and podcast will be a reminder to you that life is not so bad. Normally, I don't talk about politics around here, but I guess uh, we get a pass on the elections, and I always try to spiritualize it. I try to see the spiritual angles of the election, and I want to talk about it. I, I try not to talk about it that much. I know I know you don't want to come here for that. There's plenty of other professional news sources to get information about about the election, but I want to offer some insight to you that I think will be of interest to you. I am on record for predicting... Here on this podcast, in the past several weeks, my prediction about this election would be that Trump wins, not by much, and it will be undisputed. I said that. That is my prediction. I did not say prophecy. I didn't say, I just got a feeling. I didn't say, I saw it written in the sky. I didn't claim to have a sign. The Lord did give me a prophetic word July 4th, and I offered my guess as to the interpretation of it. I think it's a prophetic word that we won't know until it's actually fulfilled. But that is my prediction. Trump wins, not my much, and it won't be disputed. And I make that prediction just by what I observe and what I see. I've watched elections. I've watched the news. And it's just kind of how I see it going down. That is a prediction. It's a prediction. I predicted the Chiefs would win the Super Bowl, and that came to pass. Was that prophecy? No. That won the Holy Ghost. I didn't fast 40 days and 40 nights for the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. It was just my prediction. Okay? 
But I've been seeing a lot of people uh, using prophetic language regarding this election. Uh, I, I, I copied and pasted a, a, a post from another uh, fellow minister. And I'm not going to say this individual's name because this was posted in a, in a private group on Facebook. So I'm just going to paraphrase this for privacy purposes. But this post said from this person, I'm so thankful to be preaching for an elected official in our fellowship. I'm praying for a move of God. On another note, I've not followed one minute of any election coverage today, but just had this feeling while I'm about to walk into church. I feel the presidential election is going to be a landslide. And through the results, God is going to give us more time to see great revival. Disclaimer, I do not claim to be a prophet and no prophets were harmed in the writing of this post. Okay, uh, and my comments, my thoughts on this, and this isn't this isn't just a knock on one person, but th- this is this is what I've been seeing from a lot of people. This type of talk, they use the words feelings, they use the word church, they're using the word prayer, they're using the word revival. And then right at the very end, they offer a disclaimer. This has been a pattern that I've seen in the Pentecostal church for a lot of things. And it's something that I am trying to correct uh, here on Spirit Signal with all of the loyal listeners that we have to change the culture and how we operate in in the giving of words and in prophetic ministry. It's a passion of mine. I believe that I have a lot of good things to say about this, and I just I just have to comment on this. It's not only with elections, but it's just other things. I want to first of all say that prophecy is powerful, and we need it. We need to have direction from God in these last days. We need to have foresight. If you don't believe that prophecy is real, there is an entire section of books in your Bible that takes up a major chunk of the Bible that is known as the prophets, the major and the minor prophets. Prophecy is a specialty from God. Prophecy is God's secrets. It's God's specialized information being revealed to men and women. And to not want that is to not want God. To reject prophecy is to reject God's news. To reject prophecy is to reject God's foresight. And we need to have that in these last days. Okay, I get it. You love your Bible, and you think that's all you need? Okay, (laughs) we'll see how well you survive when you need direction on when you need a new job. Because you ain't going to find where that new job is in that Bible. I I don't read anywhere in the Bible that God says, Thus saith the Lord, you shall find a new job in fast food. You shall find a new job in real estate. You shall find a new job in in laying pipe for sewers. I I don't see that. But the Bible endorses prophecy. It endorses the flowing and the moving of these specialized gifts. And we want it to be real. We don't want it to be watered down. We don't want it to be artificial. And language like this and saying, I just feel I'm walking into church is not how you do it. Like I, like I said, I'm not going to name drop anybody. I don't want to. But you know who you are out there. 
And I love you, and I want to be a friend for you, all of you people that talk like this. But first of all, uh, the name dropping. In, in this post, this, this, this individual name dropped a major name of who he is preaching for. Can I tell you this, young preachers? Don't do that. You look stupid. You look like you're trying too hard. This is the habits of small men. Small men not only need big problems to survive, but they need big names of people that, they, that they're around to survive. That's what they need. That is the behavior of a small individual. You want to be bigger, believe in God and believe in yourself. Now, sure, you could talk about where you are, where things are, but, the, but don't name drop. Don't use names to get power. The Gleason name is a very special name in Pentecost. When I meet people, very rare do I ever say my last name. I'm just Justin because I don't want them to think about my father when they see me. I don't want them to think about my grandfather when they see me. I want them to love me for me. And I've had to overcome the stereotypes of a, of a pastor's son, to overcome the stereotypes of a superintendent's son, all of those things. And for the help of the Lord, I am doing that. And I have a clean record of doing that. And people love me for me for being down to earth. Did Jesus walk around saying, hey, I'm the son of God. You know who my dad is? On occasion, he pretty much would, but for the most part, he would just say to people, I'm Jesus of Nazareth. Come and follow me. He wouldn't say so much, look at where I came from, but rather he would say, look at the works I have done. Look at my fruit. You know people buy their fruit. And when the time of hard questioning and hard pressing, yeah, he would say, I'm manna. I came down from heaven. I'm not of this world. But for the most part, it was just Jesus. He was the friend of sinners, and that's how I've always tried to be. So don't name drop. And a lot of people who are falsely prophesying, falsely predicting, trying to look powerful, they're doing that. You, you, you see it happen. These so-called prophets, these guys that prophesy their imaginations, whatever, they can't help themselves. They, get, they go to a conference. They go to because of the times. They go to times I'm refreshing or whatever. And at the exact opportune moment when there's like a breakout in the spirit, they run up on the platform and grab that microphone and sneak preach. And they just have to say something that's like just so generic and and whatever. And it's like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, but everybody out there is in is in the flow of the Holy Ghost. Nobody wants to be judgmental. Nobody wants to be critical. We're just acting like happy sheep, and we just kind of go for it. But all it is is to get attention. Everybody, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. And people have been doing that regarding this election. Okay? And, 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 they're, and they're throwing this in there. I'm not reading the news. I'm not reading the news. I'm not watching the news. But I just feel, whatever. You know, good and well, you have been tracking this news story uh, this entire time, and you're addicted to it. Anybody who wants to make a prediction or a false prophecy or whatever about this election, you know, good and well, they have been in the news. You know, saying, I have, I have a feeling I'm in church. I don't claim to be a prophet. I, I can't stand that. That is not real. And I know it's just a culture thing. It's just familiar language that we use in church. But we, if we're going to be really prophetic and operate in the Holy Ghost, we have got to quit acting 
acting like our random thoughts are profound with the supernatural prediction. We got to quit doing that. Acting profound with a supernatural prediction. And then after we give that prediction, leaving ourselves a little out. Let me tell you this. Anytime somebody prophesies to you or they give you a word and at the end of it, a major disclaimer that I could be wrong, they leave themselves an out, you can go ahead and put your hand up and say, no, that is diarrhea of the mouth. Go stick your head in the toilet and diarrhea all of that into the toilet. And then pray that God gives you constipation of the mouth. We have got to learn to be true with spiritual things. How to act natural with the supernatural. Cutting out the weird aspects of it. Cutting out look at me with the spotlight on me aspects of it. Cutting out the prophesying or the foretelling of our daydreams or our feelings. I'm tired of that. Prophecy is is speaking the mind of God. It's speaking the thoughts of God, the intention of God. It is precious. It is powerful. My Lord, do you really think Isaiah stood up and prophesied and said, I could be wrong, but Messiah will one day be numbered with the transgressors? You know, I just had a little bit of a feeling as I was walking around the temple here that he will be buried amongst the rich. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but I just had a feeling that he'll be born of a virgin. Ugh. Fake. Hypocritical. Artificial. That's small thinking. Trying to look big with disclaimers, outs, and all of that. That's enough. Actually, no, it's not enough. You know what? That prediction there by that guy... It wasn't a landslide. And you know what? When you start to do this, when people get out there and start to speak like this and say, I just had a feeling, you know what? People aren't going to trust you ever again when you say that. I just had a feeling. No. Spirit signal, when we speak the word of God, it needs to come directly from God. Either God said it or he didn't. And you know what? I believe there are room for mistakes. We have grace. We have mercy. I believe that sometimes you can be mistaken. There's a difference between false prophecy and mistaken prophecy, and the difference is motive. And if your motive is to look powerful, your motive is to manipulate emotions, your motive is to have um, power through psychology, with what you're preaching in church or what you're doing on social media, you're a false prophet. And I'm calling you out. Stop it. You're going to look like a fool. Take the diary of your mouth to the can. Take it to the Johnny on the spot and get constipation of the mouth. Zip up your mouth. Sew it up. Stop doing it. But if you know you have a pure heart and a pure spirit and you want to deliver the word of the Lord... In the beginnings of it, yeah, say, say even experience, guys. Sometimes we have a small mistake, small little mistake. But that's rare. And your motive, hopefully, uh, will save your ministry. It'll save your integrity and all of that. Do it all unto the Lord. That's all you got to do. That's all. 
I'm, t- I'm telling you, it's very difficult for the prophetic to move in elections, even elections in church. Yeah. I, and I don't have scripture for this. I, I, I don't know. You know, God does set up and remove kings. It says that in the book of Daniel. I believe all of that. I've seen that. It works. But very rarely does God intermeddle with elections because elections are of men. And a lot of times God doesn't intermingle with men. It kind of works half and half. The men decide, and then God works on the individual that they elect. That's usually what happens. You know? But uh, I'm praying for this election. And if I feel something from God, I say it. If I have just a Justin prediction... I leave out my feelings, I leave out I'm in church, I leave out what I think is going to happen with revival, and I just say I have a prediction. That's all. Keep it to keep it to the keep it to prediction facts. Just your facts. Your predictions, that's all they are. So, uh this this election, I I tell you what, I, I enjoyed the 2016 election process. I loved the debates. I loved all of it. I really did. But can I tell you, this year, I, I have not enjoyed it. It has not been really that entertaining to me. Because in 2016, yeah, there it, it, there was a lot on the line. But this year, there is so much hate and contention in the air. You know, in 2016, I stood in a line for about an hour and a half to vote. I went. I went pretty early in the morning, and and, and uh, but I stood in line. It was actually enjoyable. I could feel such a spirit of American pride in the air, and I didn't feel judged. I I, f- I just felt good. I felt free. I felt I felt liberty. But this year, I went a little later. Mid morning's a good time to go to the ballot box. Usually the lines die down, and I went mid mid morning. Didn't have to wait in line, and the line was long. Believe me. Early that morning, I went out and got donuts for for my family. And uh, the line was just backed up at our at our ballot box. And I waited a few hours, got up there. Man, the line was gone. <laughs> but as I walked up, I could just feel the hate. I could just feel the contention in the air. And I could feel the corruption in the air. And I knew, hey, we're, it, it's, we're headed into something really dark and could be devastating. You know, I don't know. But yeah, I, I tried to that day get things done. I tried to enjoy myself. I tried to have a good time. But all I could do was read election news. I'll be honest with you. I'm not one of them guys that say, oh, I haven't paid attention. Oh, I don't read the news. You know, I'm not one of those people that acts like I'm above it all. I'm so spiritual. Oh, you better believe I've been reading the news. I've been watching it like a hawk. I have been watching it like a hawk. And I stayed up very late on election night. It, it is no longer election day, election night. It has become election week. And yeah, I say it's going to become election month. And if it's bad enough, COVID has stolen Thanksgiving and Christmas from so many of us. This election might just very well steal uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas. But I, I was I was watching the election night, kind of going back and forth from various news sources. And can I just tell you who I think has turned into a total schmuck? Actually, it's it's been there for a long time, but now it's there. It's that. Uh, pompous Chris Wallace of Fox News. Chris Wallace. Chris Wallace. Uh, that guy made me so mad. First of all, during the debates, and I've never trusted him. I've always just thought he was a slimy, sneaky little weasel, an anti-God, anti-church, uh, anti-family, anti-anything that is wholesome. There is something just dark and bitter about that man. He's got issues with God, issues with his father, Issues with a lot of things. Issues with Donald Trump. Because Donald Trump is a real man. 
And there Chris Wallace is there sitting there at, at that chair with his little skinny white ankles hanging out the bottom of his pants. And some of the other commentators were talking about uh, the American map. It's going to turn into a, the red mirage or whatever. And little Chris Wallace pipes up and says, oh, uh, a red mirage. That sounds a lot like a strip club. <laughs> what a total pervert. And during this election, you know, just I see things, I feel things. And there is so much of a perverted agenda around this election. It really is. You got to understand, you can be of any political party and be a subscriber to Spirit Signal. Ever since the early days of Pentecost, our Pentecostal faith, our organization has never aligned with any political platform. Never. And you go back and look at our history, the 40s, 30s, 20s, all in the beginning of all of this, we have never aligned with the Republicans, never aligned with the Democrats or any other party. We gave our Pentecostal saints, our members, our people, freedom to choose as they will with no judgments attached. But I cannot tell you this, there is so much perversion in the Democratic Party. I understand this. There's a lot of great democratic principles, and we've had a lot of great democratic presidents, especially one of my favorites, Harry S. Truman, who's buried not far from me right now. You know, there's nothing wrong with liking the democratic form of government and what they do. Maybe you grew up in, in, in a home where you depended a lot on social services, and Democrats have a lot better social services than the Republicans. Republicans tend to lean more towards the self-reliance. And, uh, and the government doesn't want to be what people depend upon. But you grew up needing a lot of dependence from the government. Maybe that's why uh, you're Democratic to this day, because a lot of Democratic politicians helped you and your family out. You know what? I respect that. But I, I, around the Democrats, I just see the, the perversion. You know, the, this message of diversity, it has been hijacked by perversity. That's what it really is. It is the agenda of dismantling the nuclear family. God's idea of a family is husband and wife. They're trying to dismantle that, trying to pull that apart, trying to break apart family and make it all about the community. You mark it down. That is code for LGBTQ family. LGBTQ run everything and cramming all of that stuff down your children's throats. That's what it's all about, that and just perversion, immorality, sexual immorality. It's all around that. And when Chris Wallace said that, I just I saw things about that man's life that I don't know. And I'm, I'm going to tell you what, that man is going to be taken down. It's coming. It is coming. There is just something evil and dark behind that little smirk, and I, I, I can't take it anymore. Chris Wallace is a total pervert. And uh, he needs to he needs to have some uh, uh, repercussions, some consequences for making that statement. Look, I get it. Teenage boys make mistakes. Guys in their early twenties say things they regret, and I have. But when you become an older man like that, you can't be talking like that. That was just so weird. There was a lot of other stuff that I didn't like, but Chris Wallace and and uh, him making a big deal about all the interruptions during the debate. Listen, I have watched a lot of presidential debates. And in debates, interrupting is normal. I remember when we did it in high school, it was a normal thing to have interruptions during the debates. Why is it all of a sudden 
a major deal now? Why all of a sudden is it like something like, oh, debating is so bad and we can't be having debates? Do you, do you not remember when Joe Biden debated Paul Ryan? All of the interruptions, all of the stupid, inappropriate laughing. I mean, he looked like a drunk up there. And uh, Paul, he was making Paul Ryan so awkward, all he could do was drink water the whole time. All that interruption. You remember uh, 2016? Uh, Tim Kaine, the uh, uh, Crooked Hillary's vice president, Tim Kaine, all the interruptions he did on Mike Pence, and, and nothing was said. But now Donald Trump interrupts, and, oh, we can't be having any more interruption. You want to know why I think they, they all of a sudden censored the interrupting? It's because of Donald Trump. You want to know why? Because the DNC is up against a real man. Donald Trump is a real man, and they can't handle it. And they're trying to silence and censor everything that that man says. Well, I got news for you. God is not going to censor Donald Trump. Is Donald Trump saved? I don't know. Is Donald Trump a real Christian? He claims to be a denominational Christian. I don't know. But let me tell you what. No other president in history has stood up for, for religious liberties like Donald Trump has. And I believe that the favor of the Lord is upon him to be elected to a second term. And the left is trying to do everything they can to silence it. And let me tell you what, we're going to find out truly, truly who is on the Lord's side. And you know what? Corruption is being exposed and lies are being exposed. A lot of things are being seen. It brings me up to my next point. Carl Lentz, the pastor of Hillsong Church in New York City, has been terminated. Hillsong East Coast pastor Carl Lentz has been fired for moral failure. Hillsong Church announces. Steve Warren, CBNnews.com reporting. In a letter emailed by Brian Houston, the Hillsong Church's founding pastor to Hillsong East Coast members and staff, in New York City on Wednesday, Houston announced Carl Lentz has been terminated from his position as lead pastor. In the email obtained by CBN News, Houston indicated the reason for Lentz's termination as leadership issues and breaches of trust, plus a recent revelation of moral failures. I know this will come as a shock to you, but please know that this action was not taken lightly. It was not done in the best interests of everyone, including Pastor Carl. Houston also writes, This action has been taken following ongoing discussions in relation to leadership issues and breaches of trust, plus a recent revelation of moral failures. Please understand that if you that it would not be appropriate for us to go into detail about the events and yada, yada, yada. Okay. I've never liked Carl Hintz. And, and it's not because he's a hipster. Dresses like a hipster, all all, all that all the tattoos, uh, the the nose rings, the earrings, the whatever rings, and and it's not because of his celebrity connections. All, all, although I I don't personally like all that stuff, I, I think it draws uh, t too much uh, attention uh, to one's uh, physical self, and I think uh, we're commanded to be modest and not draw attention to ourselves based upon how we arrange our hair and how we dress. You know, and, and things like that, you know. Uh, there's just something uh, that does something weird to a guy when he's trying to look cool. I, I don't know. It just, like, uh, does something to the human spirit and the human heart. 
it becomes about self-image and a lot less upon God. And this can be done, of course, through tattoos, earrings, but it can also be done through a really nice watch, a really nice suit. You know, that's why the, the principle of Christian modesty is to be modest, meaning unexposed. Don't be really popping out there. You know, Jesus taught when you go out and minister, be simple. You don't need a whole lot of clothes. You don't need a big bag. You don't need a big old long staff. You don't need to have fancy sandals and all of that. Look nice, look presentable, but be simple about it. Carl Lentz was not simple. It was very extravagant <laughs> in the way he dressed with those with those huge glasses and that and that and and that real uh, trendy looking haircut. You know, it was all about him. Look at me, big, flashy, whatever. And I I didn't I didn't like him for that. Or I, I it was that wasn't the reason I didn't like him, but I never took him seriously. And I'm a fan of Hillsong music. And Brian Houston, the senior pastor, preaches a lot of really nice things. He has a lot of nice things to say, and there's a reason he's been so successful. But Carl Lentz, out of all the pastoral staff, he's the one that made me raise an eyebrow the most. I'm like, Ooh, I don't know about this dude. The main reason I never really cared for him was he was impossible to pin down when asked a question. There was too many question marks around this guy and his doctrine based upon major issues of the Bible, major issues of the Bible. And I've told a few people through the years, I'm like, that guy has got the morals of a roach. He does. Just look at the way he talks about stuff. You know, he didn't believe in sin. He would say mistakes and uh, working on things. And he just... uh, you know, we just got to love and we just got to care, man. We just got to share, man, you know, and, and really care, man. And, and really, and don't judge, you know, and just be who you are and, and own the moment and all of that. You know, it was like, sin's not real, nothing to look here. And I told people, and I said, that guy, he is not a holy man. And you know what? He looks cool. He sounds cool. It's flashy. He's got some good administration skills. He's got good leadership. But he is not a pastor of integrity. You watch. You just watch. And sure enough, here we are. It was just announced yesterday. And, you know, I got to say, I was actually surprised by this. I'm surprised by his termination because Hillsong Church has bragged and been very proud of itself for, for years about being forgiving and restoring. But you know what? I agree with this decision, and I applaud this decision by Brian Houston because the ministry needs to be clean. The ministry needs to be clean, and it's one of Paul's qualifications for a bishop. He is to be blameless, according to Titus 1. Sure does. And so uh, that's all I really have to say about that. It, it's this and the, and the Jerry Falwell thing, you know, that people are looking at this and saying, oh, the church is so hypocritical. Why be fake and hide your sin? I don't want to be a part of that. I want to be open about my sin and not be fake. Okay, you can go that way, and that still is going to lead you to hell. If you don't like hypocrites, the last thing you want to do is be real about your sin. You know why? Because you're going to be stuck in hell with the hypocrites. Sin leads to hell, no matter if you're real about it or fake about it. That's why we got to remember what Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the hypocrites, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. You know what I did after I read this story? I got down on my knees and put my face in the carpet. And I said, Lord, I repent of anything that I may have done to offend you. I don't want to live a life of sin. 
God, if it can happen to Carl Lentz, it can happen to anybody. And I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that doesn't happen. God, reveal to me if there's anything in my life that is leading to that. That's what you do when you see situations like this. And you know what? There may be people in that local church that realizes, hey, this you know, celebrity style of pastor, it's dangerous for one's spirituality. It's not good on a marriage. You gotta, we got to get back to the basic principles of what Jesus taught us and that you got to watch where you let your eyes wander. You know, you can dress in a way that, a, that, that is a sexual allurement. And that's what he did. He wore high-heeled boots on the platform preaching. I mean, he wore like those low V-necks. You know what that was? That's look at my body and lust. This message that the old holiness apostolic Pentecostal preachers used to preach about dress, a woman dressing modestly, a man dressing modestly, women dressed like women, men dressed like men, it was designed so that you could be out in public ministry and working or whatever and not stir up sexual spirits, stir up lust. That's the principle of modesty. You know, you can't tell a lot about somebody by their ethnicity. Stereotypes don't work, but I can tell you what, you can tell a lot about somebody by their dress. Oh, yeah. They got the nose rings, they got the tattoos, they got cleavage hanging out, they got their rear poking out on Instagram. Oh, yeah, you know what that means? Look at my body, let's have sex. That's what that's about. All these memes where girls are pooching out their lips with a scripture right next to it. You know, they got they got their lips out, you know, they got their eyes all blackened. They're trying to look like a sad little puppy, and they got next to it, the Lord is my shepherd. <laughs> okay, yeah, you got the Bible on one side, and then you got let's hook up on the other in the meme. That don't work. Wake up, people. It's time to get back to holiness. It's time to get back to true spirituality. Look at where this act like the world, look like the world to reach the world has led to. It leads to destruction. All right? Don't go looking for the devil. Go looking for God. Several weeks ago, I think it was October 11th, somewhere in there, it was National Coming Out Day. And, you know, I get it. And, and, and homosexuality is such a touchy issue, and, I've, and I'm on record for saying this. I want to dwell peaceably with everybody. I am not an activist against gay rights. I have never been that way. I have gay neighbors. I used to have gay co-workers. I, I dwell peaceably with anybody. I've never tried to stop anybody from, from pursuing the American dream, okay? But when it comes to the kingdom of God, the scripture is very clear about this. Those who practice such things will not enter the kingdom of God. And if somebody wants to enter the kingdom of God, I myself help guide them to repentance for that. Because there's a lot of people out there that get the revelation that those feelings that they have are not pleasing to the Lord. Yeah, sure, they're pleasing to the world, pleasing to the Democratic Party, pleasing to all this and that, whoever. It's not pleasing to God, and they want to pre- repent from that and get through that and move forward with that. And you know what? We want to help people like that, and God will help you. And it's National Coming Out Day. It's There's the, all this pressure that if, if you got gay thoughts, you need to be open about that. You know, even if you're seven years old, come out and be gay. You know, that's why the LGBTQ is after the kids. All them drag queens doing story hour 
at the library. They're trying to recruit children. You know, you want to know why? Because they can't reproduce. Gay couples can't reproduce. Lesbian couples can't reproduce. They can't reproduce. They got to recruit. And they want to recruit a child, a child whose faith is high, who's open to receive anything. You know, that's why I, I endorse families who don't want to get together with other family members around Thanksgiving because they got a gay cousin going to be there and they won't come. You know, because they don't want that around their kids. I believe in that. I endorse that. Kudos to you. Your other family members may not understand that, but hey, you know, that's heaven and hell issue stuff. We got to we got to protect the kids. It's all about the kids. And that's the agenda of porn. It's to get into the kids' mind and destroy them and lead them to sexual perversion. Okay? That's why on public television when guys start talking about a strip club, my god. What is wrong with people? Unbelievable. But I posted it on social media, and I never commented here on the podcast, and I want to go ahead and do that. That day, uh, last month, the National Coming Out Day, I posted it on Instagram. Don't come out of the closet. Stay in it and pray. Don't come out of the closet. Stay in it and pray. And that is a message to people who struggle in their flesh with gay feelings. That is really your hope. Prayer will get you through this. That's how you get through any type of sin. It is through private prayer with God. You know what? It doesn't always help to talk about it. Some of you, your therapist is messing you up. Some of you, your therapist, it was what's making you go crazy because a lot of these so-called psychiatrists and therapists, you know what they're doing? They're insane themselves. And they're projecting their own insanity through their psychiatry on their clients. Maybe you need to fire your psychiatrist and get back to the prayer closet. Jesus is the greatest physician you're ever going to have, you know. But, but if your psychiatrist is doing working wonders for you, stick with them. I recommend Christian counseling. I believe in it. I love it. It's, it'll be a blessing to you. But I'm telling you this. If you have feelings that you know you shouldn't have, have you ever prayed about it? Have you ever just sat and talked to the Lord about it? God will help you. You'll take on the spirit of Christ. You'll take on the spirit of holiness and righteousness in prayer. There's a lot of people out there. They want to be saved. They want to be involved in church. And they know what the Bible says about this stuff. And they don't want, they don't want that to be a part of them. They want to be separate from that. And the only hope for that is don't come out of the closet, but stay in it and pray. It's taken from Jesus' teaching that when you pray... Don't pray loud and boastful so everybody can hear it, but instead, tuck yourself away. Because true prayer, you know you're really praying right with the Lord. You know you have a good prayer time. If you're talking about things that if anybody else heard you, you would be embarrassed. God wants to hear what's embarrassing about yourself. God wants to hear about your greatest fears and worries and your anxieties. He does. And when you begin to do that, All that anxiety that you have and fears and worries about yourself and your salvation and your soul, peace will sweep over you like you've never imagined. I posted that out there, and and I just imagine all my social media following is from church people. And I was so disappointed in a comment that was made on there. Go and look it up. It's October 11th, 2020. I posted out there on, on Instagram, don't come out of the closet, stay in and pray. And a lot of people like that. You know what? I'm sure there are people out there that took heed to that, and it helped them get through their inner struggles. And you know what? They're going to be saved in heaven. It's going to be worth it all. 
but some girl, probably some psycho. I don't know who she is. Her name is, and I'm gonna call her out because she did it publicly. Jess in Soto, whoever she is, she comments. Statements like these are the reason people leave the church hurting more than when they walked in. You know what? That girl don't get it. That girl don't pray. That girl don't read the Bible. She's probably got everybody fooled and probably one of the praise singers in her church. Let me tell you something, Jess and Soda. What are you going to do when your son comes out of the closet, huh? What are you going to be saying then? All right? What do you do when your best friend comes out of the closet? What are you going to be saying then? Oh, don't judge, and oh, that's so wonderful, and and oh, how sweet, and oh, how cute. J- just in soda, whoever you are, do you want people to come out of the closet? Is that what you want? What else are we supposed to say? You know, there were gay people everywhere, all over Corinth, and when they came to God, did Paul say, oh, it's it's okay, it's a judgment-free, and you know, the church is moving towards this, and and, and homosexuality is wonderful. God loves us as we are. He loves us as we are. And you were born. No, he wasn't saying you're born this way. He taught be born again. And you know what? He taught the truth that sexual immorality is sin and it leads to hell. That is the truth. And we need to be loyal to the truth. That is the truth. Do you, gay people, do you want us to lie to you about your salvation? Do you want us to be fake about it, or do we want us to tell you the truth, how God really feels about that? You know what? If anybody hears that statement and they walk out of the church more hurt, that is a witness against themselves, a witness against their own sin. But no, yeah, sure, that statement may do that. It may do that very well, but you know what else that statement may also do? It's statements statements like that that lead people to leave this world of sin and leave shame, and leave leave pain, and leave all of the hurt to repent and be made whole. Prayer is the answer. It is the answer. I'm not a politician. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm a podcast host. Thanks for listening to Spirit Signal with Justin Gleason. Trump 2020. (laughs) 